Welcome to Revelation chapter 19. This is day one of our look through this chapter, and it is a wonderful day. Let me remind you of what it feels like when the tension keeps building. You go to an action movie or one of those kinds of movies where the tension builds all throughout the movie, that kind of a tension. The tension keeps building and the tension keeps building. Sometimes that happens with relationships. You're, you're with your family for uh, some kind of a holiday, and the, you think something's going to go wrong because it always has gone wrong. And the longer you're together, the more the tension builds. It's sort of like the feeling of a rubber band. The tension building like the rubber band being stretched tighter and tighter, and it feels like it's going to snap at any minute. That's somewhat like what has happened in the book of Revelation as we've read together through this book. The tension has just kept building. Revelation is one of the most dramatic, tension-filled books ever written. God wrote it. He revealed it, what's going to happen. It's God's work in history, and there's no more dramatic person at work in the universe. God could write better screenplays than anyone, and he is at work in a dramatic way in this world, in the universe. In the book of Revelation, the tension builds. You start out with these awesome experiences of worship. And then the tension builds as the seals are opened and tragedies come upon the earth. And you have trumpets that sound and more, greater tragedies. And the bowls are poured out of God's wrath. And you have these great stories of Satan and Babylon the Great and these powerful figures that march across the human scene. These wars that cover the entire planet. The tension is building and building and building until you get to Revelation chapter 19. I am so glad you are here with us for this study this week, that you didn't stop at chapter 16 or 17 or 18. In Revelation chapter 19, we're going to look at some of the awesome things that God does at the end of time. God has a different ending to things than you and I would ever expect. And as we look together at this different ending, as you become familiar with the end time events, you're going to find some things here that might even surprise you. As you look at how God does things, you and I tend to think, I wouldn't have done it that way. Or we think, why did God do it that way? We're going to answer some of those questions. In Revelation chapter 19 and 20, we're going to look together at five end time events and what they mean to us today. The five events are, number one, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Secondly, the visible return of Christ. Third, the battle of Armageddon. Number four, the millennial reign of Christ, one of the most confusing events to people the first time they read through Revelation. And then the fifth event is called the Great White Throne Judgment. This week, we're going to look together at the Wedding Supper of the Lamb, the Visible Return of Christ, and the Battle of Armageddon. And as we look at these events, let me just remind you, to understand human history, to understand what's happening in our lives right now, you have to understand that many times from the end to the beginning, as well as from the beginning to the end, the Bible helps us to do both. If you want to understand human history, you better understand the book of Genesis and what happened at the beginning, because I cannot understand human history unless I understand what happened in that garden, what happened when Adam and Eve fell. If I want to understand human history, I have to not only understand the book of Genesis, but I'd better flip all the way to the end and understand the book of Revelation also. I have to understand what happens at the end in order to put into light what's happening in our lives right now. These great final events that God talks about in these chapter, they bring light to our lives today. And in Revelation 19, the tension that's been building, there's a single word that's repeated again and again and again. It is a tension-releasing word. It is the word hallelujah. It is the word praise God. 
Listen to how many times you hear this word as I read Revelation 19, verses 1 to 6. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Hallelujah, which when you come to Revelation 19 means to me, what a relief. Praise God. We read way back in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, this worship service that began, and you had the 24 elders, and you had those surrounding the throne. And now in Revelation 19, here we are worshiping God again, hearing hallelujah again. After all that has happened, it has not diminished God's praise one tiny bit. And this one word, this one word, hallelujah, praise God. This word puts all of human history in perspective. If I want to understand human history, if I want to understand my history, this is a word that I need. It puts it all in perspective. All of human history, all of my history is for one purpose, for the praise and the glory of God. Now, that might be a bit confusing to you. In fact, in verse 5, a voice comes from the throne and says, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. So here is this voice from the throne of God telling us to praise God. It sounds very prideful to us that all of human history would be for the praise of God. Very prideful to us that God would not only encourage us to praise him, he would command us to praise him. I mean, how proud must God be that he needs so much praise? When we think that way, it's because we don't understand God. God doesn't need my praise. He doesn't need your praise. He is all that he ever needs to be without our praise. But we need to praise him. And human history is only put into perspective. My life is only put into perspective when I praise him. So he encourages us to praise him, not for his sake. He has all that he needs in and of himself. We praise him for our sake. We praise him because it tells us what is right and true. God should be praised because he is worthy of our praise. God should be praised because that is right. God should be praised because that is true. When God isn't praised, it is a lie. This world was created by him. It's created for him. All of eternity is created for him. When I hold back praise from God, I'm living a lie. I'm living in a false world. When I allow all the praise to go to myself or someone else, I'm missing out on the truth of what God has done. So praising God isn't, isn't a matter of feeding God's ego. It doesn't need to be fed. Praising God is just a matter of recognizing the reality of what he is. And as we think about praising God here, look at specifically what they are praising God for. First, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. They are praising God for his power, for his salvation, and the glory that comes out of that. So in your life, in my life, right now, as you're listening to this today, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you say, God, I praise you. I thank you for that relationship. I thank you for your power that you show in my life 
I thank you for your glory that you're going to show into all eternity. Let's not just talk about other people praising God. Let's praise him right now. That's what we're made to do. So you praise him for salvation and glory and power. You praise him also in verse 2, for true and just are his judgments. You praise him for his judgments because they are always right. In fact, it goes on to say he has condemned the great prostitute, Babylon the Great, that we looked at in the last two chapters, which is the world system of selfishness. This system that sometimes you look at it and you think, what is this world coming to? Well, that system of selfishness, here's what it's coming to. It's coming to condemnation. It's coming to, coming to a point of destruction. And so you praise God because he is not going to let selfishness reign. Just and true are his judgments. Maybe this week it doesn't feel that way in your life. You've had to face some situation where it feels like evil is winning out. Right now, you praise him in your mind, in your heart. God, just and true are your judgments. In fact, it goes on to say the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. It's always going to be evident that God's judgments are just and true. And then in verse 6, why do we praise God? We praise him because he has salvation and glory and honor, power. We praise him because just and true are his judgments. And we praise him because, because the Lord God Almighty reigns. He is the king of kings we're going to look at this week. He is the one who is in control. So we've talked about many times through the book of Revelation. We praise God because God is in control. I may not feel in control. It may not look to me like he's in control, but that does not mean God is not in control. Revelation tells us without a shadow of a doubt, I can praise him in any and every circumstance because he is always on his throne. He is always in control. Let's, as we praised him these last few moments, let's end with a specific time of praise together. Would you pray with me? And again, would you just say, Father, I praise you. I praise you for your love in my life. I praise you for your salvation, for your power, for your glory. I praise you that your judgments, they are just, they are true. You can be trusted. And I praise you that you reign now and you will reign forever. God, you are in control. I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to talk together about the wedding supper of the Lamb. <music>